You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it in the first place. To me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I've said this before in this same interview, I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with co-host Shanika Peterson, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Queen. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Good morning. How are you? Glad to have you back in the saddle with me, as I always like to say, one of my queens of intellect member who likes to save the day, and today you are saving the day as I have two special returning guests for this morning's discussion question. If you are a first-time listener, again, I go by the name Black Socrates, so we always hit our topics in the form of a question, and the concept is if we ask the right questions, we can get to the right answers, but before we introduce our guest, Sadiqa, uh, again, you know the topic already before I let the cat out the bag. Give people a little bit of your background, because you, you, know, you rock on this podcast thing, not just with me, uh, but I know you do some other stuff as well, so if you will, share a little bit of your background before we introduce our guest. All right. Um, so I also co-host a podcast. It's called Real Talk with Passion B. It can be found on all your streaming platforms. Um, I've hosted conversation parties. Montoya, you've come in and you've hosted events with me as well. I thank you for that. Um, I, do, I have a nonprofit organization, Ambassadors, Inc., so we do a lot of um, outreach with high school age students, but I'm usually just out and about. I am a lover and supporter of the arts. So looking at one of the guests, he has um, been on our podcast and he has also come out and helped facilitate one of um, our outreach activities at one of the high schools a couple of years ago. So I'm excited to um, connect with him again. So that's just a little bit about my background. 
No, I love it. That's what we do every Saturday. We dialogue and connect. We are more than just a talk show. We are the voice for our community club in which we connect with people. So glad to see that, um, you know, going on this morning. Let's go ahead and get our, our guest introduced, and we'll actually start with I'm guessing Sincere is the one you've connected with because I know we're all in the same area. So yes. you are a returning guest, if you will, King. Uh, go ahead and give a little bit of your background before we tell people the discussion question this morning. But thanks for being with us, King. Peace, peace, brother. How you doing, Pastor? How y'all feeling today? So this is Shanika. This is Shanika. Okay. But feeling great, Sincere. Feeling great. All right, all right, man. This this going to be a dope show. Uh, I got my brother uh, Montoya facilitating this thing, but I'm sincere. Uh, I am a poet, a speaker, a holistic relationship coach, um, a community activist. Uh, but I like to say, most importantly, I'm a proud husband and your brother. All right. So, um, so I like to make sure that we know that there's a connection right off front. Uh, I wrote a dope book called The uh, 30 Love Laws, and uh, I'm happy to be here to chop it up about a conversation that really matters to our community. Now, I love it. Without further ado, uh, this brother has made a huge impact on the Mental Dialogue Community Club this year. This is his third appearance um, in probably just as many months. So, uh, we, we, you know, we delve into sex, race, relationships, culture, and black business. And so anytime we're in this relationship space, uh, this brother is someone that I always look to. He actually asked to be a part of this one, and I had to allow it. So, Brother Vaughn, the alchemist, if you will, King, uh, say hello to the truth seekers out there. Give people a little bit of your background. Let them know how long you've been in this relationship culture space and how long you've been married to your queen. Because it's a number that should be uh, applauded, if you will. But thanks for being with us, King. Thank you, man. Peace, family. I appreciate y'all having me on the show. Um, like you said, my name is Vaughn. I go by the title of the Love Alchemist. I'm also a holistic relationship coach. Um, or master relationship strategies, if you will, author, speaker, and a personal development coach. I've uh, been married to my wife, my high school sweetheart, since, um, man, forever, so 31 years total. And ultimately what I seek to do, or what we seek to do, is to help married and unmarried couples kind of find their own unique path to harmony. And we do that via our love, alchemy, and alignment sessions. Uh, we also have a book that we co-authored. It's called The Heart Workbook, 31 Days to Mastering Your Relationship. And in that book, we put our 30-plus years of marital experience, ups and downs, and just uh, ultimately ways of achieving harmony in that book. So um, you can get that at www.conditionsoflove.com. Now, I love it. Thanks for being with us again, King. So let's go ahead and get into this thing the way we always do. Uh, Shanika, it's been a minute since you've been with us, so hopefully you remember the, the, the routine here. But i like to ask each of you, when you heard the question worded, the way that it was worded, what was your first initial thought? Shanika, I just hit you this morning with when you do this, so I don't know if you had a chance to think about it, but we're going to still put you on the spot. And, you know, when you say, hey, well, what's the, you always say, well, what's the topic, Montoya? Because, you know, you always like, is it something I got to study for first and all this kind of stuff? So uh, <laughs> this one right here, I don't think you had to study for it. Uh, but when I finally told you what it was, what was your first initial thought? Be honest now. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think you was actually ready to jump on this thing, if I remember correctly. But what was your first thought? Uh, 
No, I wasn't ready when you called me, Montoya. <clears throat> I think my first response was, oh, Lord, <laughs> when you brought the topic up. Um, and I, didn't I ask you, does anybody know what a whole relationship looked like? Um, my first response is, um, I don't know. I don't know. Now that's fair. I don't know. That's now that's first. Uh, yeah, that's all I need. All I need. We're gonna go to a break um, after we get our responses from both of our guests. To see if we'll come back to you. Um, you know, actually, um, you know, we kind of got together and knew this was gonna be the show. So, um, but if you, uh, when we first said we wanted to do this show, uh, what's your first thought without going too in depth uh, initially? To see are you there, brother? Oh yeah, that was uh, that was for me. I thought you were gonna come back to me, but my um, my first initial thought was this is a conversation that needs to happen. Um, and as I went about becoming whole in my process and connecting with my wife in a very meaningful way and seeing the um, the impact that it has on the community, I said, we got to project this out into the world and not just keep it to ourselves. So we got to live out loud. We got to love out loud. And uh, this is a conversation that's going to help in that process. No, I love it. All right, Brother Vaughn, we've got about a minute before we go to break. So if you will, um, um, I don't even know if you recall. I know we interact on social media, but when I called you, I said, you know, you actually asked to be on the show. And I don't know if you remember that when I called and said, hey, brother, I do need you on the show. So if you can recall your first initial thought, either when you saw it on social media or when I call you, what was just your first initial thought? Just a 30-second answer so we can go to break, and then we'll get hot and heavy into the discussion after the break. Yeah, I agree with everything that was said, and and I was excited about it, man. I I love conversations like these, and I think they're very necessary. Uh, And equally important, I I think um, that, that, so many uh, misunderstandings about what a whole relationship or a holistic relationship looks like. So I'm excited to get into it. No, nah, sounds good. I mean, we're always talking about and assist the problems of the community to a degree. And here's a way to look at it from a different angle. I think, um, you know, you, you know, we know what to dev into what that looks like from both angles. As you mentioned, 31 years, the ups and downs. And sometimes I think um, to a degree, I would offer it in our, in our, in our area, if we will, we um, kind of don't even want to look at the downs, and then we don't know what to do when we're in it. But, again, that's just a quick thought for myself. We are up against the break. We'll be right back and listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. This morning's discussion question, what does a whole relationship look like, look and feel like? We'll be right back. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. For all the success stories that we see in traders, there are countless others. 
thousands, even millions of others of unsuccessful people who were wiped out. Again, that money had to come from somewhere. These are the first questions that keep you in the game because, again, what trading is not, is not a game. Trading is a practice. It's art and science in a way that if you do it correctly, you can make money. This course is designed to help you as a trader, as a young, burgeoning trader, or if you've had some experience and maybe some difficulties in trading, to understand the elements that are involved in what makes trading as hard and competitive and hopefully see some of the success that you probably thought that you would have in the first place. If you're interested in getting to, into investing and trading, please visit Black's Academy, B-L-A-X-E Academy via YouTube. I even out. I loved him. I didn't want to be without him. I mean, you can be upset with somebody and not agree and, you know, have fights about it and all that, but it's never been that serious where I ever thought about leaving or not wanting to be with him. I'm hoping you're about to say the same thing. I was brought up, uh, I was raised by my grandparents. So um, my grandfather told me, he said, uh, whenever you get married, you know, and uh, you get, you and your wife have disagreements or falling outs, he said, uh, it should stay within your own home. You know, it shouldn't be all over the neighborhood and, and everywhere else. So when we got married, first got married, I told her, I said, hey, if if you get mad at me or we get upset, you know, you don't want me sleeping in the bed with you because you're mad, I'll sleep on the sofa, I'll go in the next room. You ain't going to your mom's, and I'm not running to my mom's. Mm-hmm. We ain't running and telling them nothing that's happening in here because this is between you and me. Right. So I really believe that real strongly. I think the whole concept of love, commitment, and marriage is not in its proper place today because I think a lot of females feel like love is butterflies in your stomach and looking perfect all the time and he's smelling good and, you know, he's treating you, you know, like royalty all the time. That's not reality. But a lot of women and men, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, go into relationships with the wrong idea about what it comes with, okay? And and here's the thing that's different for us, too. It's not just a feeling when you love somebody. It's a decision that you've chosen this person and you're going to be committed to this person and that there are going to be tests, trials, struggles. You're not going to always agree on the same thing. But today it just seems like the mind said, okay, this ain't working no more. I'm out. See, this is the thing. The problem, I think, with relationships today is people are too selfish. It's all about them. So I get ready to leave the house. He's got my glasses sitting on my purse. You see what I'm saying? He knew me and cared enough about what I needed, my shortcomings, because I am very forgetful. So he gets ahead of that. And he says, she ain't going to remember these glasses. Let me put them on her purse. she got to take a purse with her. Those things are worth gold. And that's why 49 years later, technically 51 years later, you can say this is somebody that is a keeper for life. And that's how I sincerely feel. Well, thank you, girl. Oh, you knew that. You knew that. We're still here. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Shanika Peterson. This morning's discussion question, what does a whole relationship look and feel like special guest Vaughn the Alchemist, as well as sincere 
both relationship coaches, both happily married, if you will, as we hear a cut. Um, that king and queen you just heard, her name is Georgia Marcia. Um, share that cut from time to time on various shows. But I think I heard to a degree, if, if, if you could peep into a whole relationship to a degree, that sounded like one, um, in my opinion, you know, just if we could peep into one, but Vonnie, I'm gonna have you jump in on that. Just um, anything that stood out, in a, again, as I highlight that as a potential whole relationship, because as I as we kind of already mentioned prior to the break, don't know how many people in our generation have, have seen a bunch of healthy relationships, if you will. So um, anything that stood out in that particular cut, uh, please jump on it, King. Yeah, a few things, man. Uh, one of the things that they mentioned was keeping your problems private. And, and I think that's so important within the proper context, though. So if there's domestic violence taking place or things that are hurtful and harmful, so other various forms of abuse that may be threatening to life and things like that, or overall health, those things you don't keep private. But spat dis- different disagreements, I'm, I'm pissed at this person or that person because, you know, whatever minor things that are going to be worked through, you keep those in-house because, you know, you're going to forgive your spouse or your significant other a whole lot faster than your family will when you share that information. So I think that's really important to keep those things private. Um, she mentioned never wanting to leave. I'll tell you right now, both me and my wife have been at a point where we wanted to leave. We were just fortunate enough to feel that way at the same time, right? <laughs> so, you know, when she wanted to leave, I didn't, I didn't want the marriage to be over. And when I wanted to leave, she didn't want the marriage to be over. So we were able to kind of work through that. So that was a good thing. Um, th- there's this idea that love is duty, right, and, and, and commitment. She mentioned commitment. But I think that statement is only partly true. It's incomplete. The other part that's left out is that emotions are the fuel for that duty. Right? And Maya Angelou said it best. She said, people might forget what you said, they might forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And, and people underestimate how important feelings are. And so uh, just to land my plane here, you know, it is critically important that we pour into each other to the best of our ability to keep the other person feeling good and feeling healthy about the arrangement that we're in. Because these days, this is a very me-focused and self-centered um, era or time that we're living in, and, and if the feelings aren't there, and again, feelings are fleeting, so too much on that. Again, duty, commitment, those things are important, but we cannot overlook the importance of of keeping each other feeling good about the arrangement. Uh, sounds good, sincere. Um, if you will, King, your any any thoughts on that cut as well? Again, as a, as a simple example of maybe what we would consider a whole relationship um, today, and your thoughts, King. Absolutely. It was uh, beautiful. It reminds me of the process that I went through to write the book, Uh, sitting at the feet of elders and sitting at the feet of people that have been together for 20 to 60 years. Um, what, What I've learned is some of those principles that they were talking about. So what is it to be whole in a relationship? What is a holistic relationship? A whole relationship, a holistic relationship, is a relationship that factors in the three elements of what creates life, spirit, mind, and body, all right? So when I say spirit, there's different feelings about it, but let me break down the original meaning of the word spirit. 
The original meaning of the word spirit is breath. So the very thing that creates life. All right? Mind, consciousness, or awareness, and body is actuality, the actuality of reality. The physical playing out of the spirit and the mind to create a reality. Right? So that's what a whole relationship is. Um, broken down into elements. So it was beautiful how they gave that life experience because I hadn't had somebody in my life to show me what a happy, healthy, effective relationship looked like. So it took me 15 years to find out what that looked like sitting down with therapists, spiritual leaders, and people that have been in long-lasting relationships. So I love what she said, and I'd love to continue to add to it. I love it. Um, Shanika, uh, anything you want to jump in with, Queen? I definitely want your perspective. It could be about the cut or anything either one of our guests said or if you have a question. Either way, um, yeah, go ahead. The floor is yours, Queen. Yeah, I have a question. Um, Oftentimes, in general, people equate time in with success as far as relationships are concerned. And I want to get your feedback from the feedback from each of you as far as how can we pick apart that narrative or that, 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 that perception that time in equals success when you have individuals who have time in, they've been together 20, 30, 40 years, but it's been problematic. Like someone who is mentally and emotionally healthy will look at that and say, "Uh, that's, that's a problematic relationship. But people still equate that with success. And I think for me, I, I, I hear a lot of that. People don't delve into the actual what's going on within a relationship. They just equate, well, they've been together 30 years, so that's a successful relationship. Yeah, you jump in on that first, brother. Yeah. Man, I think that's really important. Time does not equal success. There There are couples who have been together 30 plus years and are absolutely miserable. They don't like each other. And mm-hmm. I'll even go so far as to say many of them can't even stand each other, but the convenience of remaining married or, or the inconvenience of what the divorce process is, they don't want to deal with that. So they live their separate lives. They sleep in separate beds, but they're, quote, unquote, still married. And um, so, no, at time absolutely does not equal success. I, I will add to that um, part of – so I'll just use myself and my wife as an example. Part of what makes – our arrangement is so good is that we actually, yeah, the love is there, but we actually still genuinely like each other. I like my wife. Mm-hmm. She likes, we, we love being around each other. And so a huge part of that component is not only do you like each other, but I think you have to make a, a concerted effort to be likable, right? And, and mm-hmm. I think um, sometimes people kind of overlook the importance. Again, I go back to that whole making the other person feel good about the arrangement. So, um, yeah, I, I hope I answered the question. 
You did, and what's so funny is um, I had a few seconds, Montoya, to just jot down some, um, just do a brain dump about, about what I thought a whole relationship, how it looks. And that's one of the things I wrote down, that you actually liked the person. So I, I like that you pointed that out. And I, and, I, and I like that he, even though he said it, you know, because I know he wants to give time to Sincere, um, but I just want to reiterate, in addition to him saying that, he's actually, he mentions the effort to make sure you're likable. Um, as he's, you know, yeah. I'm just reiterating, you know, I'm just copying what he's saying. I'm just repeating it, but I like to repeat things that, you know, in a sense, people should, really should mull over and that effort because he's right. The people overlook it because to a degree, kind of like once you're together, you kind of take pride in, I could just be who I am with this person. However, sometimes the way we are isn't always concerned about being likable, which means I might say something to my significant other in a way because she's used to me saying it. But if you were concerned about being likable, you would say it in a different way. It could be the same thing, but if you stay focused on that, you say in a way that makes her or him feel good about the very same thing you're saying, but you chose to say it in a way to make them feel better about, even if it's a correction or even something that you dislike, there's still a way to say it. And that's what I really hear in you saying the effort to be likable. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead, um, Sincere. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Vaughn, you're getting down to it, brother. I really, I really dig where you're going with it, man. So, uh, so so let me uh step in here and add uh add to what my brother just said. Um time is not indicative of success. It's a matter of how you spend that time that says whether or not that time that you spent was successful. Right? So yeah. mm-hmm. one one thing that I've looked at with um uh, most couples and I've been working with couples for years now, right? One thing that I find is that most couples, they don't have a constitution, a mantra with how they're going to go about their relationship, right? Like I've seen people that are miserable Mm -hmm. and they're together through obligation. There's children, there's property. There's all these things that have absolutely nothing to do with love, all right? So what is love? Love, I created an acronym for it that gives people a different understanding of what that thing is and simplifies. Love is living on valuable energy, all right? So what makes that? Uh, energy valuable. It's how you go about your day-to-day. I, I affirm my wife. We have a, a relationship constitution that sits in between us that's bigger than both of us that we both abide by, and we make the decision to have a great relationship uh, every day. And we do that through communication. I care what she thinks, even though I don't always like what she she she, she sees <laughs> or how uh, she goes about her perspective on things, but I don't have to but I must respect it and vice versa. So, so we live in that space to where we, we, we create the decision and the choice every day to have a good relationship. And we have a constitution that allows us to be able to do that. Oh, I love that. Thank That's you. Super. Thank you. Yeah. Super dope. Super dope. And let me highlight this real quick. Cause we've got to mention it. Um, Sincere and his wife, they've known each other about a decade, been married six years. So we got really great perspectives. We got 
You know, people always talk about that seven-year mark within a marriage or whatever. And so you got this brother, six years, happily married. You got Vaughn, 31. I just want to highlight that level of experience as people are hearing both of these relationship coaches, um, just understanding. Uh, you know, I remember we did a, a, another show with Vaughn on, and we had a sister who had been divorced, and it's like the things that she learned makes her an excellent relationship coach, too. And people always try to put parameters on whether, it's, you know, someone's a good relationship coach based on their own relationship um, or whatever. But as long as you learn the lesson and you're able to teach, and, you know, teaching is not easy to do. Um, you know, both of these brothers are good at it, but I just wanted to highlight that experience as well uh, for, for uh, Sincere. Sincere, let me highlight this, too, because as we were, you know, I kind of spoke with you about developing or coming up with the name of this show, and you highlighted this right. one particular thing, and I thought I wanted to bring, I wanted to bring this up on the show because I think it's very much worth talking about, was the idea of what we were naming it. It was like, what does a whole relationship look like? And to a degree, uh, you said, hey, let's focus on the word relationship versus marriage, which I thought was very fair, and obviously I went with that, with that approach. What I wanted to ask in, in you going with the word relationship, and part of it is just the cultures, if you will, let's be honest, has cooled on the, the version of marriage to a degree. Marriage doesn't always have the best word, and I'm not trying to focus on that. However, I wanted to ask, because people are, you know, trying to figure out marriage and relationships and, you know, relationship is a more palatable word, if you will, what I wanted to ask was, are are a lot of relationships today destined to fail because maybe the aim is too low. And I'm and what I'm saying from the aim being too low in the sense of there's a sense of giving up on this marriage thing. Individually still desire it, if you will, but culturally marriage itself has a in a sense of become a bad word to a degree in some in some circles, if you will, right? And so it's now it's just about the relationship. And I'm saying, are we aiming too low in a sense when we are afraid of the word marriage? So, see, I'll let you answer that, and we're going to go to a break. So, go ahead, King. Oh, man, that's a great question posed, brother. And absolutely, yes, the aim is too low, and we still fail. So, so one of the reasons that I focus on uh, relationships, the word relationships, is because, uh, you know, I have uh, – some clients that they subscribe to poly relationships, some that are married and some are together. Right. So, uh, so I wanted to focus on the relationship and really give some sauce to what that whole marriage thing is about, because that, that, that commitment level, that word marriage, it does something to us psychologically when we see a bunch of different broken relationships and broken marriages. So, so that bar is a very high bar because of the sense of discipline and dedication that you got to have to be able to achieve it at, at a high level. So that's why I wanted to focus on uh, a relationship to kind of welcome people in so we can get to the meat of this thing and uh, really delve into marriage. Type of relationship. Nah, that's dope. That's dope. So um, I don't think we, uh, we would do this thing proper context if we didn't get into some history uh, specifically to the you know African-American community, if you will, just to, I would say, set a baseline, dig a little into the history to continue this conversation. So if y'all will really dig into this cut, um, Vaughn, we'll start with you coming out of the out of this cut, just to tell me what stood out to you again. It's just, in my opinion, creating a baseline 
Um, sometimes I think that we go into relationships without even realizing, in a sense, where we came from, if you will. So um, definitely tune in and want your thoughts coming out of this cut. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. We don't think about that original history and that our unfortunate inability as a culture, as men, to protect our women because we don't want to go back there for and think about that reality. We now have a gender war where we place all the blame on, for example, the feminist movement pushing these ideas that, in fact, are detrimental to the black family. I am totally against the feminist movement. But what we fail to understand without going back to that original day of stepping on this earth, we blame the feminist movement as if it created the dilemma. What happens is because of that original inability to protect our women and not be there for them, even under the circumstances of enslavement, yes, harsh, but it is a reality. Well, due to that, then the experience for keeping the black family together has been much more difficult because the feminist movement was able to basically convince some of our sisters who did not have men or who had men who who had not, in a sense, gained their manhood from the standpoint of being protective of our women because that had been normalized through, unfortunately, even the breeding that happened during enslavement because these things became normalized where there were some men who never, in a sense, took their place again. And so because there were African-American men who, as I said on the show, took on ways of our oppressor and learned ideas that were not ideal to our culture and were not protective of our women because that was not where, that's not where we came from, but because we took on, in general, because we took on ways of our oppressors, then by not protecting, then there was an agenda in the feminist movement to derail families. That's in, within all cultures. But what happened in the black culture specifically was we were, uh, some of our women were able to attach to those ideas, but they couldn't have attached to those ideas had we been in our rightful place and in our role of being protective. Don't take anything of what I'm saying is wasting time on who's to blame. Because, again, her original statement that black men have failed to protect over the last 400 years is a factual statement that has nothing to do with whose fault it is. But when you think of that reality, then in 2020, it is time to step up and step back in the role of being those protectors because in we step into those roles, then we won't have this gender war, this gender fight with our women who would be glad, in a sense, to give us our roles back, if you would, per se. But welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Shanika Peterson. This morning's discussion question, what does a whole relationship look and feel like? Our special guest, Sincere, as well as Vaughn, the alchemist, both relationship coaches, as you hear a cut from um, basically the Mental Dialogue YouTube page, and it was actually in response to a show we did some years ago about ending the gender war. And I thought it was a great way to set a baseline, again, as I said before, I went into the cut, that we don't always think about the history that plays a part in how our roles and, and relationships have developed today. So, Vaughn, if you will, King, uh, any thoughts about that cut 
uh, in particular to this morning's discussion. Yeah, that was powerful, man. Um, you know, men blaming the feminist movement is, in essence, the same thing as men blaming women for where we are right now. And so one of the one of the points that they the talking points that they like to use in the red pill community or in the so-called manosphere is that our women chose welfare housing or welfare over the men. And I think about that. I look at my own wife and I'm like, man, you know, I think I provide a pretty decent arrangement here for my wife. But if somebody were to come and knock on the door and say, hey, you know, I got this deal for you. We see what you have here with with Vaughn, but we're going to offer you Well, Avon, we may have lost you for a second, brother. I don't hear you now. Um, you've cut out, so I don't know if you actually muted, possibly. All right, let's do this. Let's see if you will. I'm going to have you jump in. Um, Vaughn, if you can hear me, because I can still see you out there, um, call back in, because um, we lost you completely. So if you didn't mute out and we can't hear you, just got a bad connection. All right, Sincere, kind of jump in where you fit in, and we'll get Vaughn's thoughts when he comes, calls back in. And for anybody out there listening, you also can get in on this morning's discussion. Let me highlight that very quickly. 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. You do have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Actually, we got Vaughn back in. Let me see if I can let him finish his thoughts. All right, brother, let's see if we got you back in here. Uh, he's live on the air, but we cannot hear him. I don't know what's going on with that. All right, hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. No, here we go. Let me guys hit the wrong number. Y'all bear with me. I'm messing up now. We got him back in here. All right, Vaughn, let's see if we can hear you now. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Last thing we heard was you say, you know, if, what you know, you got a pretty decent setup with your wife, and if somebody said, hey, um, we could offer you, and that's when it cut out. Go ahead, King. Okay. Yeah, so I was saying that if somebody were to come here right now and say, you know, to my wife, we're going to offer you powdered eggs, powdered milk, you know, a big block of cheese and a big <laughs> thick slab of bologna and some overcrowded housing and abject poverty, would she choose that arrangement over the one that I'm offering her right now? Hell and, and the no. Answer is and the answer is emphatically no. And so when we look at our women in the 60s choosing welfare housing, um, you have to look at the full context of, of what that is. What were they being offered or what were our men being able to provide them during that time? And, and the reality is that this government had basically stripped our men of our ability and our means of providing. It was incredibly difficult for, for black men to get jobs or and even to maintain businesses because, look, let's keep it all the way 100, they weren't just lynching random black men. They were lynching business owners, right? So they were stripping men of their ability to provide for their family. And if you can't, in this, especially in a capitalistic society, if you can't provide financially, that messes with you on a psychological level as a man. And that begins to undermine the entire fabric of the relationship. So, and, and let's, not, let's not forget that Gloria Steinem, if I remember correctly, she was CIA, so she's introducing these feminist concepts, but it's not like she was some random woman. These people um, have think tanks where they strategize on these different ideas that they're going to offer to us. So this is all 
in the context of warfare. And so the gender war that exists between us right now is the byproduct of the warfare that was waged against us by our own government. And, and that warfare stripped us of our cultural values and, and our folkways and mores that would uh, lend to us having constructive outcomes, being able to build as a culture. Uh, I, I think, um, yeah, I'll end there. Yeah, and, uh, constructive conversations. Um, so it effectively makes us waste time blaming. You can't, and, 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 and so we've, we fail for it to a degree. Like you said, assuming or uh, putting it on the woman that they chose that over their men. And like you said, no way would they do that, if you will. And we also blanket it as if that was the majority of our people. It was an element, right. but it's never been the majority. It's always mm-hmm. been percentages. Even in our worst-case scenarios, when the poverty rates reached as high as 36%, that's still 64%. You feel me? That's not in that situation. You know, maybe, you know, maybe some people are right above poverty, but I'm talking about the actual abject poverty. We still got 64% of people that wasn't. So how do you blanket the whole culture, but we say it, and again, it's not that it didn't play a role, and as you mentioned, it's intentional, and so once we get there's an intentionality to what we see now, we're wasting time putting it on one another versus constructively walking out of those things that are not even truths when you make stop making the mistake of blanketing those statements. Um, so, go ahead, Shanique. I, th- I heard you want to jump in. Go ahead, Queen. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm over here amen and everything that you are saying. Um, so, Sincere can go ahead. All right, go ahead, Sincere. Your thoughts, King? Absolutely. Um, we, we really want to be cognizant of these agendas to uh, separate us from each other. Uh, there's a number of devices that have been instituted over a period of time. And, uh, when we take a look at our history, that's why we we, we must know our story. We must know ourselves and how we thrive before slavery, during slavery, to see how we got here, all right? Or during the period of enslavement, we never chose to be slaves. So I want to be clear about that. Now, um, we thrive together uh, outside of duress and during uh, duress. So I want to be clear about that. We still chose to get married to each other, not going down mm-hmm. to the courthouse and not uh, yep. not not seeking uh, um, documentation from the government to make our marriages valid. Like it was commitment, the dedication to each other. So we would risk life and limb and slavery to connect to one another uh, at a higher level. So I want to make that clear to provide some context during our greatest period of duress. Uh, of the rest, we were still wanting to connect to each other at the highest level. So there's a spirit to saying, I choose to be dedicated to you, you choose to be dedicated to me, and we build together. So having that context, there's great value in being connected to one another. Like I can prove spiritually, mentally, and physically, financially, emotionally, how I am a better man being connected to my wife. I can prove it. Right. So that that's always been our way. And, and, and until we get back to that, there will be a struggle on some level for for a great many of us. No, absolutely. Let me add this even for more context. I see the callers out there. If y'all are wanting to get in, you do have to press one to let us know that you want to speak. 
And I want to make sure people understand as often how untrue the narratives that we accept are when they're not true, when there's data to prove that they're not true. So sincere is not just saying that this, this, you know, some people may think if they believe the narrative that welfare did what we're suggesting that it did, right? And it's not that it, to be very clear, to be very exact. It's not that the welfare wasn't an issue, but again, I gave you at the highest poverty rates. Our poverty rates now are around 20%, not saying that's okay, much higher than the rest of the country, but I'm saying even at its height, it still wasn't the majority of our culture. I'm reiterating to walk through what Sincere just said to back him up with some data. So when he says, you know, this is still what we did, well, during the enslavement period, since we couldn't go get a piece of paper, when we were emancipated, we had, you know, we had did the jumping broom rituals, you know, with the, you know, within the, you know, the enslavement quarters and things of that nature. So families were intact. There's even studies that show, even compared to today, right now, as we speak, even enslaved children by the end of slavery were more likely to be raised with both of their parents in the home more so than right now. That's a data fact. And then as soon as we got emancipated, we actually would go get the license. Not only did we go get the license, up until the 60s, a black woman was more likely to be married than a white woman. Up until the 70s, a black man was more likely to be married than a, than a white man. So when we suggest and accept a narrative that I like, like Bun said, that our women chose that over. You're talking one, not only a small percentage, but there's nothing, no data that supports that. That's what our people blanket statement did. So, Sincere is exactly, absolutely right. They were risking being married before they legally could be, and as soon as they legally could get married, they did it in droves. So again, had to get into some of the history to continue this morning's discussion. We're going to go to another break. When we come back right back, we're going to continue. What does a whole relationship look like? I see a lot of callers out there. If y'all just tune in listening, no problem. If you're a first-time caller and listen very closely, you have to press one if you have a question or want to give us your three cents on this morning's discussion. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Oh, how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? 
at moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies' gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know it's me. Because I look like money, smell like money, talk like money. And then you have the married life with all of its misconceptions about how this works and and how you're supposed to be with each other and mm-hmm. honey wear my socks and that doesn't work anymore <laughs> you know what i mean right right you know uh, the, the the sort of traditional gender uh, roles have changed yeah yeah and yeah. uh we live in a time now where the male and the female role is pretty much the same mm-hmm. so when you're married you have to practice you know division of labor you have to figure out who does what and right and what's important to you and what's important to me and when does the career come and mm-hmm. are we going to have a family and, and all those things play into that. So there's constant communication about that and learning each other and, and, and learning from each other and learning through each other, mm-hmm. meaning growing as individuals and growing together. Because one of the misconceptions that I find irritating is that people think that when you get married, you become one. Mm-hmm. There's nothing further from the truth. Right. I'm always going to be an individual. You're always going to be who you are. Right, right, right. But the question is, how can we coexist? How can, how can we inform each other, help each other, uh, learn from each other, and grow through each other? Mm-hmm. And, and the key to that is wanting to be with you. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Shanika Peterson. This morning's discussion question, what does a whole relationship look and feel like? Our special guest, a relationship coach, is sincere, sincere, as well as bond, the love alchemist. We do have a caller that wants to get in, so let's jump to the caller before we deal with the cut from Boris Kojo. Uh, area code 720-LAST-3668. Give us your name. Where you're calling from and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Yeah, hi. Thank you for taking my call, first of all, and for doing this show. Uh, my name's Mike. I'm from Denver, Colorado. And I just um, had a couple of points to make. But first of all, I did want to just thank you for doing this show. I've really enjoyed it today. Thank you, Mike. Absolutely. So um, the first point I was going to make was just kind of like as a response to what you were saying kind of about um, the government and the government's involvement in, I think, uh, Americans' everyday lives. You know, I don't think the federal government has um, any authority whatsoever to be in the classroom or the school district or uh, decide what, you know, our kids are learning about. Um, I think that they're has kind of been a coordinated attack on parents and taxpayers by the federal federal government to um, institute their policies into uh, young people's lives. Um, I'm a younger person. I'm 25 years old, and um, that's that's uh, there. There comes a point when there's government overreach, and we have there's a fine line between uh, what should be tolerated as far as the government's involvement in people's lives and what isn't. And that was the first point I just wanted to make. Um, as far as relationships go, I, um, you know, what COVID has taught me is that being in a relationship is not the most important thing in the world. Um, it's taught me that, um, you know, there's other priorities in my life. I, I said above being in a, a committed relationship. Um, you know, I still live with my parents, but 
Um, that's just kind of my two cents on that. So. Now, I respect it. What I'll say to you, just to share this real quickly, um, and appreciate you for listening and giving us your three cents. That's what we do here on the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. So appreciate you, Mike, for calling in. And I will say, basically, to a degree, at the stage of your life cycle, um, you know, being fortunate to live with your parents, I can respect that perspective in a sense to a degree. I will say for the, 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 the spirit of this show to a degree, there's ultimately – a, 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 a place for being in relationships, not that everyone has to be or wants to be, um, but ultimately when we're talking about raising an entire culture, eventually people should have, it, it, to a degree, the goal of in, being in a whole relationship with the children being a heavy part of why you even do it. Um, it ends up being a lifelong goal, and it raises the culture. So but thank you for your three cents. Uh, appreciate the fact that you're loving the show, so thank you for calling in, Mike. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, letting me uh, share my opinion. Thank you. No, always. You can always call in. That's what we're here for, to share opinions, even if we disagree. So thanks for calling in, Mike. Uh, with that said, I want to get to that cut from uh, Boris Kojo, and I'm going to go ahead and add this in um, so that I can kind of do a uh, – that Boris Kojo cut brought up the aspect of roles which obviously is a huge conversation inside of relationships, whether married or not. And um, I have another brother that's been on the show, um, Yale Sasa Ekpo. Um, he put up a post this week that I think relates. So as you heard Boris Kojo say, hey, in today's time, the roles are relatively the same, and I think he gave some good dialogue on what that looks like. Um, I, lo- I love the fact that he highlighted, uh, you know, the idea, and I've been lost in this concept as well, well that to a degree there's this idea that you become one within a marriage, and he spoke to the reality that's one, that you remain individuals. And so sometimes people never even grab hold of that. And so just the expectation of becoming one can be, a, you know, can be problematic within a relationship. But I do agree with him on that. Um, you know, definitely y'all opinions on it as well. But to go ahead and specifically get into the roles, as he says, to a degree they're similar, uh, this was a uh, something that was put out again by Yale that, that challenges some of what I heard Boris Kojo, not Kojo say, not necessarily a direct challenge, but I wanted to hear all, you know, your thoughts on what he, what Boris had to say in this right here. Yeah. says in the cut, ladies, this mindset that if men can do it, women can do it also affects women more than it affects men. You carry a wound. Men do not. You are more deeply emotionally connected. Men are not. You are biologically, emotionally, and physiological wired completely different from men. Although you have the free will to do as men do, however, the side effects and repercussions are not the same and will never be the same as men. This is important for women to understand, and it is something that I will also stress, teach my future daughters and daughters as well. So I wanted to put the gender role thing completely on his head from both ends of it. Vaughn, I'll let you jump in first, King. Yeah, you know, uh, I think these days roles are a little bit, they're not as rigid as they used to be. And I don't know, I think to some degree, though, we have to respect the the inherent differences that mm-hmm. exist between men and women. There are like, women, so so one of the things that people like to say is that the woman, they, they refer to the Bible and they say, well, the woman is the weaker vessel. And, and and I think a lot of men take that on to adopt an idea that says, well, we're stronger overall, just period. Men are stronger. 
and that's just not true. I like to say that the only place that a man is emphatically and unquestionably stronger than the woman is in the gym. Right? We can, we're physically stronger. We can lift more weight, but that's about where it ends. Everything else, man, there's a complementary strength exchange. Women are um, naturally, I think they're a little bit, they tend to be more empathetic. They tend to be more creative. Their tolerance and endurance, I think, for relationship adversity seems to be a little higher than ours. Um, there's a gentleness and a kindness and a nurturing that comes along with women that um, when it comes to motherhood, for instance, we there, there are things that they can offer a child that we simply do not have. Now, can we do the best that we can with what we have? Yeah. We can still raise a child to be a good person and all that, but there's something to be said about the impact of motherhood on a child. You can see the difference when a child does not have their mother. Mm-hmm. When they become adults, you can tell a child that hasn't been nurtured by their mother, and, and especially when it's a when it's a woman, when it's a female child. But to the same respect, you can tell the difference when a child did not have their father in their life. So there's a complementary balance that exists um, with, with respect to men and women both being present in a relationship. So have the roles, as far as the roles, I think, you know, with respect to income, you know, who's the earner and things like that, there are adjustments that need to be made as far as how we perceive what the impact that those things have. I don't have a problem with my wife if she earns more money than I do. But I think there are still inherent differences, strengths, characteristics that need to be explored and need to be respected because there are things that women bring to the table that men simply do not or or to a much lesser degree, and, and then vice versa. There are things that men bring to the table that women simply cannot compensate for. Yep, complimentary gets missed due to the, in a sense, the breakdown, as you said, of the rigid roles, but it seemingly goes missed of the inherent differences that that play a role in us being complimentary. So you almost can't even talk about the inherent differences today due to the the gender war conversation or the role conversations and it's like we can we can do we can do two things at once both can be true and the respect of it um i think honors some of what yeah is saying right there there is a consequence to a degree if if you if either one of us go too far out of our inherent space again we are both capable of fulfilling like you said can a man do it if he has to raise his daughter on his own absolutely there's men that have done wonderful jobs with it however what she might be missing he couldn't give her anyway and so that's the complimentary part that we don't honor as much go ahead um um sincere yeah man i like i like what boro uh with boris kojo said um but I think that oftentimes what we end up doing is we feel like we have to dim- dismiss a piece of information to make our claim or, or, or to add to something. Like in the spirit space, uh, there is more addition than deletion. So you absolutely maintain your individuality. Two strong individuals make a strong union. So it's, ab- it's actually you become more than one thing. So you become a union, which means that the relationship itself has a singular identity, but the identity that the man and the woman has is what creates the strength in that identity, if that makes sense. Well, it does. Now, 
to move on to to the uh, the uh, perspective of uh, masculinity and femininity and roles, like again, we want to dismiss one to boost the other. That's a different mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that's an agenda. So we have to be careful with these agendas, right? There's specific things that make the man or the masculine energy strong, and there is specific things that makes the feminine or the uh, the, the female strong, right? And we're supposed to come together with these strengths to create a strong whole instead of having to demean one to boost the other. That does not belong to a strong marriage situation or a strong relationship in any context. There is a universal law or a spirit law that speaks to the law of gender, which says that each one has specific roles. Now, now when you're talking about what's going on in your household, how you create your circumstance is your business, but it's based on those two individuals. But principally, y'all have to be in alignment to make that happen in the most effective way. No, I love it. We are at the top of the hour. We're going to go to a quick break, play a little music uh, to kind of set the tone for today, continuing this conversation on what does a whole relationship look and feel like. If you're out there on the line and want to get in, the number is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. You do have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Are you confused and perplexed by the dating process? If so, Dating Decoded is just what you've been looking for. Relationship coach Derek T. Clark, a.k.a. Sincere Sincere, an author of the 30 Love Laws, brings you a course, whether you're single or married, that breaks down dating with a purpose or dating for the happily ever after. Taking this new exciting course course, and changing the dating lives of men and women around the world own Division Academy website, otbacademy.com, search for Dating Dakota. Again, that is otbacademy.com, and search for Dating Dakota. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest, 
co-host Shanika Peterson. This morning's discussion question, what does a whole relationship look and feel like? Special guest, Bond of Alchemist, as well as Sincere, if you will, King, highlight this dating decoded that you got running on the OTV Academy. I thought it was very appropriate to highlight um, this course that you're breaking down the dating process, which seems to be people confused and perplexed, people out here not even wanting to date anymore. It ain't got so bad these days, man. And um, I wanted to not only just simply highlight your course because you're a guest, but just the idea of preparation prior to a relationship. Often we're seeking out coaching and counseling after the fact once things went awry, and the beauty of taking your course can be prior to even having issues. So if you will, King, um, highlight what you're doing with Dated Decoded the course. Yeah, brother, absolutely. I thank you for that, man. That's dope, man. Boy, you good at what you're doing. Hi, <laughs> I've been doing it for a little while now. I've been doing it for a little while. Go ahead, King. <laughs> Word, word, but uh, yeah, man. For for the everyday busy person, um, through conversations and um, through what I've learned in my coaching, people don't have a lot of time to delve into different subject matters. Even though this is one of the most important things that uh, they can ever put time and energy into. Like I said, let me put together a course that's simple, that's for the everyday working person that don't have a lot of time. But let me break down these principles so they can become cognizant of what's needed, uh, the elements that create uh, a proper, effective, healthy, happy dating relationship. No, I love it. And, uh, Vaughn, you know, you do coaching as well. It's something that I love to highlight. One of the pillars of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, again, we're not just a talk show every Saturday. This is just how we talk to one another, if you will. But within the club, you can obviously support, help keep um, Intelligent Radio on the air by going to mentaldialogue.com and becoming a member. Um, but if you will, one of our pillars that we've always um, stressed within the is our number one pillar, strong black families. And what we put as a caveat to that being a pillar, strong black families, is to get marriage counseling other than just from your spiritual leader prior to getting into marriage. Sometimes if people would take that step, they might find out we might not need to go any further, or it brings up the issues that won't come out sometimes even with maybe even some of Sincere's principles in his class that may not come out in the dating process. So what better way to do that than to get professional counseling via a coach, via a psychologist, in addition to your spiritual leader? We're not saying don't do it. We're just saying add this additional counseling that people typically wait for, wait until they have problems to do, do it prior to marriage. So I just really wanted to highlight um, kind of as Tasir said, like there's so many things that we prepare for that, you know, if we want a certain job, we'll go prepare for it. Well, the most important decision you could ever make is who could, who's going to be the parent of your child. And we don't prepare for it. Um, and, and now we have an opportunity to in the information age. So if you will, Vaughn, speak about some of what you're doing and how you feel about the direction and the, that we give people within our community club to consider getting help prior to getting into a relationship or a marriage. Yep, just like, like the brother sincere, I also have a relationship mastery course. Um, you can go to my website at, or you can in, you can email me at um, info at theconditionsoflove.com, 
And like I say every time, man, you know, I, I, I use that term conditions of love on purpose because so many people are looking for unconditional love and it's just not very realistic. You know, um, every relationship that I see that has sustained or, or that has um, not only endured but thrived, uh, it's due to conditions being met. Nobody loves unconditionally. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really important. And I think a lot of people o- overlook the fact that or, or they like to think that people who have successful relationships are, are doing it because maybe they got lucky or, or maybe um, they're doing something extraordinary, and that's the reason that they're successful. But the reality is you're not, we're not doing anything extraordinary. We're just doing ordinary things better than most people. So, um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I think I'll end there. I, I, it's just really important that we that we begin to um, reindoctrinate ourselves with the importance of marriage and the impact that that has on our community. Uh, but equally important, an understanding that it's not something that you have to be gifted at or or do extraordinary things or have something you, you don't have to have a stroke of great luck or anything anything like that you just have to apply certain principles um and just be consistent and, and anybody and i do mean anybody if you find somebody with a, a healthy mind and a healthy heart anybody can have a healthy relationship Janika, jump in here queen so I just want to go back to the last segment and say um, the information that both Vaughn and Sincere provided, I, I just thought that was great information, and I'm over here taking all kinds of notes. Um, I, I I do have a question. Well, first of all, let me say, um, also what I'm hearing you say, everybody say, is you have to be intentional you know, approaching relationships, there's a certain level of intentionality that has to take place. And I I wrote down sincere when you spoke about having a constitution. And in my head, I equate that to relationship goals. Like, what what are we doing here? What's the purpose of this relationship? And how can we move forward to accomplish those goals? Um, my question, and I heard it within your programs, but and I, and I would like for you to give us just a little bit about the program as far as what can people start to do on an individual basis um, to just start addressing some issues they may have, whether it's unresolved trauma, whether it's um, their idea of what's normal. I do understand that normal is relative. We all come from very diverse backgrounds, and something that may be normal for one person isn't normal for another, but they're looking to enter into these relationships. Um, What can people start to do on an individual basis to address um, some issues, not even issues, well, just just to get an understanding of what may be an ideal situation um, as far as seeking a partner. Sincere, jump in there. Okay, great great question. Um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Montoya, you were saying something? No, I'm saying, yeah, go ahead and jump in. I want you to jump in. Go ahead and jump in. So so what I recommend to uh, my couples and what me and my wife did after both having divorces, after being married early and divorced early, heal. 
right? Heal. So what does that look like? Uh, so Ooh, when I'm we talk about doing healing. a praise dance in here, I'm doing a praise right. dance. Go ahead. <laughs> right. See, most people think that healing is a destination, but healing is a journey, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's a decision and an intention that you take that walk every day. And, and I take that walk every day, and I take that walk with my wife every day. She takes that walk with me every day. So now we are a part of each other's healing process. See, see, most of the times we haven't healed enough to recognize the love. We're not loving on ourselves. Uh, based mm-hmm. on what the young man said, that sometimes the, the priority uh, isn't to have a relationship. We are always inside of a relationship, whether that relationship is with yourself or with another person. So we're always in a relationship. We just need to be in the mindset of what type of relationship do we need to have and what's necessary for me to have a great relationship with myself and others. So if you walk away with nothing else, start your healing process. Not today, start it yesterday. uh, which means uh, starting now, uh, connect, uh, connect with somebody like Vaughn, myself, a therapist, whoever you're comfortable with to start that process, do it now. Ooh, and what I, so what I wrote down also was not loving on ourselves. Mm-hmm. That, that really, really stood out to me because um, some of the interactions I've had, that's what I see. It's like individuals, they don't even like themselves, (laughs) let alone love themselves, and they're expecting somebody else to come in and fill that void or fill that gap. So, ooh, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, what you just said, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, uh, no, I was just I was just uh, uh, jumping in there with a uh, hallelujah. Uh, that's it. Go okay, ahead, bro. <laughs> nah, nah, what you just said, um, Shanika, here's a reality for our culture, and I say our culture, uh, and then I'm, I always tell people I'm 48 and down or whatever, same age as hip-hop. So for the hip-hop generation, if you will, um, the unfortunate uh, fallout of, you know, even going back to the first hour, some degrees of that systemic attack that has worked relatively effective in some, to some degree, if you will. Again, I'm definitely not making blanket statements here. I want to be clear on that. But, again, it has played a role in, in what, what you're talking about right now, which is our reality came up without a lot of necessarily intact married families, if you will. And so one of the remnants of that is looking for someone else to fulfill what you're missing in your life, which is very natural if you wasn't raised and given the the complimentary whole self that you should, in a sense, naturally be given inside of a whole family, right? That's what naturally comes from that. When you get the compliment which you're supposed to get from your mother and the compliment which you're supposed to get from your father, there's a sense of self that, in a sense, you, you mature and get whole sooner, and then when you go in the market and they're like, hey, when are you going to get married, whether you're the boy or the daughter, uh, they, that is encouraged because they know they poured into you and you are ready and you're looking properly versus when you're missing those elements based on traumatic lifestyle, that's the extreme, or just simply even a decent lifestyle with only one parent, what they could not give you. Sometimes mm-hmm. you subconsciously seek that. And so we, without being told what Cecilia just said, our whole generation 
is looking to the other person to fulfill something, and it's completely wrong. It's completely wrong. Vaughn, jump in. Uh, um, actually, let me go to break and let you jump in after that. All right, we'll be listening. We'll be right back. For anybody out there listening, if you want, got any questions for our relationship coaches or want to give us your three cents today, um, give us a call at 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. Also, you can share it if you're listening via online. Share the link if you're listening on the phone phone line. Text the phone number and say, hey, listen to this. You know, Share it while we're in the middle of it. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. For all the success stories that we see in traders, there are countless others, thousands, even millions of others, of unsuccessful people who were wiped out. Again, that money had to come from somewhere. These are the first questions that keep you in the game because, again, what trading is not, is not a game. Trading is a practice, it's art and science in a way that if you do it correctly, you can make money. This course is designed to help you as a trader, as a young, burgeoning trader, or if you've had some experience and maybe some difficulties in trading, to understand the elements that are involved in what makes trading as hard and competitive and hopefully see some of the success that you probably thought that you would have in the first place. More information on Blacks Academy, please visit their YouTube page, Blacks, that's B-L-A-X-E, Academy, to learn about investing and trading. That's actually why people get married, you know, just so you know. Because... This is built into marital vows. I'm not leaving ever, no matter what. It's like, okay, well, that definitely puts a boundary around our arguments, right? Because I can't say every time you manifest one of your flaws, which you're likely to do just as often as me, well, enough of this. It's like, that's horrible, man. If your whole life is, well, every time you get out of line, I'm, I'm out of here. It's like, how the hell are you? First of all, you're not going to admit to ever doing anything wrong. Second, you're going to be on your you're like a, like a scared cat the entire relationship because, well, who knows? It could just come to an end at any moment. It's like, you know, people say, well, if, you're, if the possibility of divorce is open, it makes you free. It's like, yeah, that's what you want. You want to be free, eh? Really? Really? So you can't predict anything. That's what you're after. It's a vow. And it says, look, I know that you're trouble. Me too. So we won't leave. No matter what happens. Well, that's a hell of a vow, but that's why it's a vow, right? That's why you take it in front of a bunch of people. That's why it's supposed to be a sacred act. It's like, what's the alternative? What's the alternative? Everything is mutable and changeable at any moment. Well, go ahead. You live live your life like that and see what you're like when you're 50. Jesus, it's dismal. Two or three divorces. Your family's fragmented. You've got no continuity of narrative. And it's not good for the kids, not by any stretch of the imagination. And so... It's a form of voluntary enslavement, I suppose, but it's also equivalent to the adoption of a responsibility. And there's more to it than that. If you can't run away, then you can solve your problems. Because it might be, okay, well, I'm stuck with you. So how about we fix things? 
Because the alternative is we're going to be in a boxing match for the next 40 years. That's the alternative. So, and you think you're going to fix problems without something like that hanging over your head? There isn't a chance. You'll just avoid them because that's what people do. It's really hard to, to solve problems, especially in a relationship. We're having a fight and I find out that it's, you know, because you're, you were abused by your uncle when you were five or some goddamn thing. You know, it's like, it's very frequent that that sort of thing happens. You, there, there's the partner, your partner's, you know, manifesting some weird anomalous behavior. You just can't make heads or tails of it. It doesn't seem related to what you're doing at all. They don't want to talk about it. And so as soon as you bring it up, they get mad. And then you bring it up again, they even get madder and they tell you that you're not going to talk about that or they're going to leave. And so maybe you're really, really persistent because you're kind of a son of a bitch and then they break down and cry, you know, and then they have this horrible memory that comes flooding forward that's completely, you don't know what to do with it and then you have to sort it out. So you think you're going to do that unless there's a good reason? You have to know, we better sort this out or we're going to be carrying it around for the next 40 years. That maybe is enough motivation so you'll actually try hard to solve. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Shanika Peterson. This morning's discussion question, what does a whole relationship look and feel like? And as much as Shanika was doing her happy dance, listening to our special guest, Sincere, as well as Vaughn, the alchemist, it's only right that the whole relationship takes in and we get into the perspective of the other side of it and what it takes to actually make it work as we hear a cut from Jordan Peterson. Vaughn, I'll let you jump in on that cut because, again, I think you mentioned this earlier. It's our expectations that quite often help us fail in our relationships, specifically our marriages, and we don't really consider some of what we just heard, but not leaving can play a huge role in it becoming successful and it not being a boxing match for 30 years. So if you will, King, jump on, jump on that, on that cut. Yeah, I, I like that framing of I'm not leaving no matter what. I like that. But there's a danger in that, too. Uh, I'm not leaving no matter what. It, it's almost um, passive. And so, I, you know me, I, I like to kind of reframe the narrative because I'm not leaving no matter what means. It, it could mean I'm here to just endure anything, no matter what comes my way. But I, I think changing the narrative and changing the wording to something like we can overcome anything, you know, that, that kind of takes a, a much more proactive approach that, Together, as a team, we're going to work through whatever problems come our way. And and so, I, I don't know, I just think that's a more empowering way to look at it rather than just sitting back and enduring whatever comes out. Now, let, me, let me say this real quick so, just to be fair to the cut, just so we give you a little more context. He was speaking specifically to the concept of a marriage vow and why it's viable. Uh, people were challenging and suggesting, just so you do have the context. So I love what you're saying, but I just want you to know that it was just him saying the vow is what makes it a marriage work versus people thinking it's not important anymore. So I just wanted to give a little more context, but you go ahead and continue what you're saying, King. And I I listened to Dr. Jordan Peterson. I hadn't heard – I'm not sure I had heard that clip, but, yeah, I appreciate you adding that context because that's important. Um, I I rock with Dr. Jordan Peterson, man. He's he's pretty solid. Um, 
Also, he mentioned something too about reasons, you know, and they and you you hear all the motivational speakers talking about what's your why, what's your reason. If you had enough reasons, you can do anything. And uh, sometimes our reasons are not failing our family, not embarrassing our families, or not embarrassing ourselves because divorce is failure, right? And, and and the impact of our divorces means different things to different people. So if it's all about individualism, you know, I just married this person because I like them enough, but nobody's really impacted by the divorce, then that's going to hit very different from a community of people or a culture of people relying on your marriage to succeed, relying relying on the success of what you two have established. So I, I think reasons make a huge difference. There's something else that you mentioned earlier about just preparation. I love what the Brother Sincere was saying about healing. It's so critically important because you got a lot of people out here that are bleeding on people who didn't cut them, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, bringing, bringing forward those Sorry. traumas from, from – Sorry, you're good, Clay. <laughs> we, we appreciate all happy yeah. dancing. <laughs> Look, I was wiping the blood off me, like, uh. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, a little yeah. life experience there, a little life experience. Okay. <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, we, we, people are bringing these traumas forward to, you know, new relationships without, you know, healing. And there are people who are just simply not ready to be in a relationship. So I, I think that, that brother mentioned that healing piece is is critical, um, and I think maybe even more important than that. I don't know if I would say more, but it's critically important. You have a lot of people out here. We, we love having sex with each other. You know, men love having sex with women. Women love having sex with men, but they don't like each other. Like some men just genuinely do not like women. There are women out here who do not like men. We like what we can do for each other. We're using each other's body basically as a form of masturbation, one step above masturbation, right? But what, with what it means to actually come together on one accord in agreement, you know, the, the, it's underestimated how important it is to when we come together to create a child, for instance. We have a lot of oops babies. Oh, guess what? I'm pregnant. Rather than being in agreement and saying, let us make man. Right, that child shows up in this world as a very different being than the one who got hit by accident. Absolutely. So I, I'll end there. No, you know, I, I think I, I don't know if you were on that show, but I just said it within the last month that um, I, I don't know if you were on that show or not, but I just, you know, just to highlight what you just said, and I want to hear sincere thoughts as well. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, we can love our children once they get here. There's nothing wrong with that. But nobody can argue with. That that is the best thing you could do is prepare for them to come, and and so that looks completely different in what their outcome of life looks like when you prepare for them to come. Um, you know, to have really figured out is this you know woman a good wife? Is this man a good husband? Versus figuring out they're a crazy baby mama or no good baby father after you're pregnant. Crazy. I'm not saying that's how all the, you know, and that's not how most of my children are being born. Just, to, you know, again, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to exaggerate things. Uh, most children are born for all races and cultures between ages 20 and 30. And so marriage is unfortunately not on the table a lot of times, but women in their 20s are typically choosing to have children with maybe their significant other at the time. Um, marriage is 
not typically on the plate as much as it used to be, unfortunately. Uh, go ahead, um, Sincere. Sincere, did we lose you? We may have lost Sincere for a split second. Yep, we dropped him for a second. Um, Shanika, anything about you know what I just said before we go to another break? But like I said, I definitely wanted to jump on to the other end of it. And, you know, I think you really appreciated Vern's idea that people are out here bleeding. <laughs> and if I can highlight this real quick before you jump in, Queen, is the generally not liking women, as Vaughn just mentioned, or vice versa, the women that are generally not liking men, that's literally, uh, unfortunately, if you're in that space, maybe unknowingly, it's due to you making no attempts at healing. So it does, you know, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. our biggest needs eat, sleep, and have sex. This is what humans are going to do, at, you know, at their minimum by nature. And then, unfortunately, some people don't get past that because of their own traumas. And due to that, they don't even realize they don't even like the other sex because they're so unhealed. Um, Go ahead, Shadika. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, And it's funny you bring that up because that that definitely is a conversation I know that is discussed in my circle of friends as far as – we don't even like each other, it appears. We don't even like each other. Um, going back to the healing aspect, um, Vaughn, I would ask you, how how does one facilitate that? Um, and we all could use some level of healing. Some of us can get that healing through reading, uh, watching podcasts. Some of us require a higher level of intervention, such as therapy and counseling, uh, maybe even medication. Um, How do you facilitate that with, if you see it in someone, um, how do you facilitate that conversation in order to get the buy-in, in order to get um, someone to understand that you could probably benefit from therapy. How do we start that conversation? That's a big one, you know. And, and so uh, at the core of it, I think vulnerability and trust are, are so important because people Hey, bro, are, let me do this real quick, brother, because I don't want to – I want – before you get deep into the thought, let me go to this break so that you can come out of the break and give it as a whole response um, to Shanika. We got um, Sincere back on as well. So coming out of the break, you can definitely respond to that. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. The rest of your life. See, there's some there's some additional problems with divorce that people don't really grasp when they're young, like 
the idea that you can be divorced once you have children, that's kind of a stupid idea because you can't. You can, you, can, you can find a limited substitute for your initial freedom. But if you, if you have kids and you try to get divorced, the probability that that's going to demolish your life is very, very high. First of all, it's incredibly expensive. So one or both of you is going to come out of that poor. And your market value has declined. Let's say you're the woman who takes the kids. Your market value has declined radically. You're going to be poorer. The man, he's just as screwed because he is now an indentured servant and there's no escape from it. So it's, and it's not so bad if you can negotiate a peaceful separation, and some people can, but lots of times if you have a terrible relationship, it's not like negotiating a peaceful separation is all that easy. But if you're at each other's throats, good luck to you. I think it's roughly equivalent to having non-fatal cancer. It is not pleasant. It's a 10-year process, 15-year process. It'll cost you $250,000, and it'll tear a big chunk out of your life. And also, it will really disrupt your relationship with your kids. And, you know, you, you bring kids into a step-parent family. They do not do as well. Step-parents are not as good parents as biological parents, and the data on that is clear. Now, obviously, there are exceptions because there are terrible biological parents and there are wonderful step-parents. But if you look in aggregate, it's not that easy to care for children. You need everything you can binding you to them. And if there's someone else's children, mostly they get in the way of the person that you love. Right? Well, if I'm, let's say you have a child, I'll be right out. Let's say you have a child and I want to go out with you. Every second you spend with that child is the second you don't spend with me. And, and there's going to be a price for that. I'm not going to be happy about that. And, and if I have a child, you're going to feel exactly the same way. You might say, well, no, I love children. It's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure you do. I doubt it. You might love your child. And, and you know, it's pretty specific the way that people love children. So, and the rate of abuse for kids in step-parent families is way higher than it is in biological families. There's not even any comparison. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Shanika Peterson. This morning's discussion question, what does a whole relationship look and feel like? I have a hashtag, healthy marriage before children, because ultimately um, some of what you just heard, in my opinion, has to be considered um, if you're entering a situation in which children may be in the future, and it plays, in my mind, a different role, or as we like to say now, it hit, hit, hit different when we're really considering the legacy, which is what has been priority for most of human existence, and to a degree we've lost sight of it because, you know, we're the first generation to grow up with romantic movies. You know, there were some few books back in the day, but most of the world couldn't read. But now we can read the books, hear the songs on the radio, and watch the movies and get caught up in the things that don't actually help create a wholesome relationship and include the other end of it and why you're in, and your why becomes as important as Vaughn has been speaking. But if you will, Vaughn, go ahead and answer um, Janika's question, which I think is beautiful. If you will, Queen, just set it up real quick again, just in case somebody's just now tuning in, and then let Vaughn um, answer you. Okay, my question was, um, how do you begin the conversation of healing 
um, if you if you notice someone who may benefit from counseling or therapy, how do you begin that conversation with them? How do you approach it? Yeah, I think that the, the closer the person is to you, oftentimes the more receptive they are to your suggestions. So let's just, you know, for the sake of the example, if it's a, a random person, maybe a person that you just met, then the foundation of trust and real friendship and genuine concern, that hasn't been laid yet. They say, you know, people might not um, – people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so mm-hmm. when somebody is is um, trusting of, of your motives, then they often tend to be more receptive to your suggestion. And so I think that would be the foundation for that, that level of trust, um, that you have their well-being at heart. And then I think a very close second to that is their willingness to be real. There are, often, there, there are a lot of people who are living in denial, right? And so you cannot heal from what you're not real about. Um, and, and so th- mm. I think those two things are, are a very important first step, just that, that trust factor um, and then their openness and willingness to be real about what they're dealing with. Um, and, and I guess a third piece would be their willingness to do something about whatever it is that they're experiencing. Given the negative um, association our culture has historically had with therapy, um, have you noticed that more and more people, and I'm going to be specific, I mean, we've been saying people, but I'm going to say, have you noticed more and more men um, coming to see you um, and Sincere also about um, relationships or even just developing themselves um, on an individual basis? You know, you you might be surprised, but um, well, you wouldn't be. I mean, you, you're hearing men these days being much more vocal than ever. My grandfather would have never talked about his feelings, right? So mm-hmm. we're in this place now where men are, are are being genuine in their expression. I think oftentimes it comes out as unhealthy expressions. You know, there's a lot of blaming involved and things of that nature. But the important thing is that the conversations are being are being had and brothers like sincere and myself and, and even uh, Montoya. I mean, we're, we're facilitating these conversations so that we can maybe begin to impact these conversations and steer them in a more healthy direction in a healthier direction than the course that they're, that they may already be on. So, but short answer, yes, men are, are becoming much more vocal and much more willing to seek help, we just need to find uh, ways to steer these conversations in a, in a more constructive direction. Yeah, myself and Sincere, we have an event called Community Checkup. I don't know if you've seen it, um, but we've definitely been helping men um, get therapy, and we've been running that for about a year. I got Sincere back on the thing. So, um, yeah, Sincere, if you will, um, jump in and give us your three cents on that question from Shanika. Um, and, again, you do a lot of work, even more than the Community Checkup. That's just the one I know about. But go ahead, King. Uh, yes, absolutely, and I'm on I'm on the go, so excuse me. Um, one of the things that you can do, and we talked about this actually at the uh, community checkup, make yourself a part of the process with them. Right? See, oftentimes what happens, especially in relationships, is uh, we say 
hey, you need help. Have you considered this? And what happens is this. That statement puts them on an island. So at mm-hmm. that point, they're disconnected from you because you're pointing the finger at them, and now you are no longer a union. So it's not y'all seeking to get better. It's you need help. That's how that's heard. Mm-hmm. Right? So, Even so from if a, you're close a, a to friend's uh, non-romantic standpoint? Uh, I'm sorry, say that again. I was I was asking, even from a non-romantic standpoint? Oh, oh yeah. So let's say you know oh, yeah. you're uh, one of your brothers or your friends. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've, I've stated uh, with my brethren and, and with people that's in the community, listen, I'm going to walk with you through this process. You're not going to be alone because what happens is this is something that that's very emotionally taxing to say, okay, I need a third party. And here's the thing. If you're black and in America, you have trauma. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's mm-hmm. an absolute fact. Like, like whether you watch the news or you're connected to your family or community and all of that, you have trauma. And I talk to them. I share my personal story. Uh, listen, I've had to have these things to make me into what you see today so I can be in position to be a good husband, so I can be in position to be a good friend, a good brother, a good son. So, so, so it's walking with them through the process, wrapping your arm around them, saying, listen here, I know this person, I'll go with you, but let's do it together. Let's be better together. Or, or I'm just going to be with you every step of the way. If it's driving them to the appointment and waiting in the parking lot, or coming back to getting them, like, we have to get back to caring about each other up close. Like, that's an up-close sport. And that's right. how we get Thank better. Thank you. Nah, it makes so much sense because at the end of the day, um, Vaughn brought out, again, starting with the trust issue, right, uh, Shanika? So as I'm listening to that, the reality of you even, even wanting to suggest somebody needs that type of help, knowing that it's a – you know, historically has been a taboo topic. It has to be something that, somebody that you very much care about. And so, yeah, even outside of the romantic relationship, it probably requires some degree of I'm there with you. You know what I mean? Even people that I've been able to introduce uh, from therapy through checkup, you know, through the community checkup, if I have that relationship, I do check up how, how did it go. Now, some people, then we, we open it up. So, you know, just to highlight it real quick, every last Thursday of the month, we bring on a um, a professional level um, therapist, in addition to sincere being a holistic coach, if you will, and we welcome other other therapists on as well. But it's really just a conversation about a different subject around mental health. And so sometimes we don't always know the people that we've been able to help. But for the ones I know, it is taking that step. But at the same time, sometimes the ones I know. I've been knowing it, and it was just mentioned in a safe way, and eventually they've done it. You know what I mean? I've had that happen several times. And so I'm always saying, how are you doing? How is it going? Also highlighting what this is something that comes out in the community checkup all the time is, as friends, we make the mistake sometimes of being there for our friends, but it's not necessarily helpful for, for their trauma because they're repeating a cycle in their head. And we're, we're, we're being there in a listening ear, or actually just reaffirming what the, the cycle over and over, that's where a professional is often needed. So um, exact same thing inside the relationship. And um, also wanted to highlight this just from the standpoint of trying to be as practical as possible. So while 
I see, as Vaughn said, we're having more conversations, men and women, about therapy and things of that nature. And when I t- we talk to our therapists in the community checkup, like here in Atlanta, you can't hardly get in. So the black, you know, so so they you can't even hardly get to some of them. So we are getting therapy in droves as a community, and even men, if you will, to a degree. And I would highlight this aspect, again, being practical to people that are listening to us right now. The other aspect is, like Cecile said, to a degree, if you're black in America, you've probably experienced some degree of trauma, more cases than not. And with that being a reality, what we like to say sometimes when we start mentioning therapy, I see this happen at different events where therapy comes up and everybody agrees, even though people to a degree may not all have gotten it or willing to get it. And I've been that person as well. But a lot of times when we're highlighting and saying, yeah, that's what we need, there's this concept of we should enter the relationship whole. It would be nice, but here's the practical reality. When Vaughn brought up the idea of if that person is in denial of that issue, that's when you have a red flag to avoid. Because what happens is more than likely, even when I seek out, a, a significant other who I might say this person is going to be a great mother. I'm planning it out. We, we we decide. We commit. We're both probably going to come with some issues, possibly. You know, like like we said, because we we got them. But the issue is, if that person is admitting and willing to work on that issue, then we can do that together. But to try to love somebody through uh, above and beyond their willingness to work on it. That's when it goes awry, and a lot of us are dysfunctionally getting together in that space. We really, really love that person. Sometimes they might even admit it. If they miss that willingness, which Vaughn talked about, that's when you say, okay, I can go no further, in my opinion. Um, Vaughn, we're up against a break, but I want to hear your thoughts to what I just said, and we got a caller coming out of the last break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Are you intimidated by money? Why, this is a question most people never think to ask themselves. But when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Mondays, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach Ashley Thomas and psychotherapist Dr. Katrina Pitts. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Making Money Matter or the Mental Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. The castle. So what's making these people so powerful? Family. I destroy the family, I destroy the empire. 
when they sold your mother one way and your father another way. They destroyed the family. That's what destroyed Africa. So we had to build family. A black man and a black woman in love, raising a healthy child is the most dangerous thing on this planet. We're looking for a gun. The gun is the relationship. Welcome back to the Better Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, a special guest co-host, Shanika Peterson. I got a brother on the line. This is how the universe lines up, Shanika. You're my co-host, and you ask, are men actually seeking out therapy? As I bring on Jamel Selton, founder, one of the co-founders of Ndugu Foundation, trying to get you linked up with my brother, Sincere, who's on the line. Hopefully, he'll be able to come out tomorrow for the three-year anniversary. Jamel, thank you for coming on. If you will, highlight what the work you're doing with Ndugu. I will see you tomorrow uh, at for the three-year anniversary, which is a group dedicated to what you just asked me. It's so amazing that the timing in the universe always lines up. So thank you, King, for coming on. Let them know what you got going on, brother. Good morning, uh, good people. Thank you, Montoya, as always, for uh, showing love to Ndugu and just brothers in general. My name is Jamel Shelton. I am the president of Ndugu. Uh, Ndugu is Swahili, uh, which stands for brotherhood. And uh, we are going to be celebrating our three-year anniversary tomorrow. Um, uh, We are essentially have created a safe space for men of color to gather, meet, and talk about some of these um, conversations that has typically been deemed um, unmanly or, um, yeah, unmanly to talk about what's inside of our community. So we've had conversations regarding divorce, depression, uh, suicidal thoughts, um, being molested, abused growing up, all things under the sun that uh, black men or men of color have dealt with um, throughout our lifetime. We talk about this in a very um, judgment-free, safe space. Uh, over the last two years, COVID has prevented us from meeting in person, so this will be the first time we've actually met um, literally in two years. Um, the last time we met was at our first-year anniversary. We were doing our best to um, continue to the Undugu celebration um, throughout online, virtual, through Zoom over the last two years. And we did the best we could, but we realized the space that we've created um, is really all about being in person, feeling each other's energy, giving brothers pounds. Um, so we want to invite each and every one of you out tomorrow. Uh, Undugu, it, again, is for men of color, um, but the celebration tomorrow will be for everyone. So um, mothers, daughters, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, everybody, um, is asked to be a part of the celebration. We'll have raffles. We'll be giving some giveaways. We'll have food, uh, desserts. But more importantly, it's going to really be all about the fellowship. Uh, we have a lot of great ideas that we're unveiling tomorrow. I'm talking about some um, um, some opportunities to kind of travel abroad as well as travel uh, locally with inside of our um, with inside the United States and just build a community of black men that are looking to healing each other. We understand that oftentimes um, therapy has been considered taboo inside of our space. Um, I'm one who um, actively uh, speaks on the benefits of therapy, but for brothers that may not be quite ready for therapy yet, we consider ourselves almost a bridge in between um, you and kind of seeking the therapy that you may or may not need inside of your life. So again, it's tomorrow from 3 p.m., to 6 p.m. It's going to be located at B Social. The address is 969 Marietta Street. It's located in West Midtown, Atlanta, for those that live in Atlanta. We'll also have a Zoom link um, for those that are uh, long distance and can't make it. 
uh, Montoya, I know I sent you over the link to um, to the event tomorrow. I don't know if there's a way you can get that to uh, to your peoples. Um, I can yes. forward it over to you again. Whatever that whatever needs to happen in order yeah, to make that happen. Yeah, I've been sending it out. Yeah, I've been sending it out. No. Perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And all, yeah, all we yeah. ask is for you all to be present. Again, you don't have to bring anything, but um, but good energy um, and, a, and a judgment a judgment free uh, judgment free spirit, man. So again, I tell you, I greatly appreciate uh, this time as always for you um, kind of allowing us to um, on your platform, brother. Greatly appreciate you, man. No, absolutely, it's amazing work. Um, I attended the first year anniversary, and again, as much as I even advocate for therapy, if you will, uh, you know, I'll highlight this real quick before I let Jamel go. Uh, we we kind of dialogue. Um, I knew him from from his business that he has. Um, just add honey, just to throw them out there or whatever. But um, I met him through his business or whatever, and then he was starting Undugu, and uh, he was talking about this safe space online. I'm like, I ain't comfortable with safe space. I'm too country, too 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 backyard for that. And so <laughs> I ended up going to the event, and then the one year anniversary was amazing because the big biggest thing about it was. It's an all men, it's just men meet, but for the anniversary, they allow their wives and, you know, relationships and girlfriends to come or whatever. And what was so dope was to hear how many women were so thankful for the, the this is the first year anniversary, for the fact that their men were going to Ndugu and they were all explaining that the relationship that these men, black men were having, men of color, inside of Ndugu was improving their relationship. So at that, that point, I knew it was a home run. So I just wanted to highlight that. Thank you, Jamel. Um, and, I'm, again, I'm putting you on the spot, Shasir. I hope you're able to make it out there to, with us tomorrow because, Jamel, you and Shasir, y'all have to meet because y'all do too much work and similar not to know each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, brother, I'm there, man. Greatly appreciate I definitely look forward. I mean, I can tell just by the way you are. You chimed in, Shasir. You, you are positive, brother, bringing a lot of energy, man. Look, Definitely look forward to meeting you in person. And, again, it's all about building, man. Um, I love the fact that we all have multiple platforms that we're all speaking for, but it's all the commonality of um, providing a healthier us, right, um, so we can be healthier first and foremost for ourselves and then secondly um, for our families and then our community, man. So um, we're all doing the work. Um, I commend you brothers, man, for, uh, for stepping in and just doing the work that we all need to do to be um, the best version of ourselves, man. Uh, thanks a lot, Jamel. I'll see you tomorrow. Yes, sir. Yes, I greatly appreciate you all. You all have a wonderful day, man. Enjoy the spring weather, the fake spring weather here in Atlanta, at least. No, absolutely. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. So, for will, Yvonne, I want to get you back. We only got a few minutes before we end this thing, but I wanted to highlight the, you know, just the practicality of uh, the idea that we'll start talking about getting therapy and people will say we need to heal. I hear these co- the context of these conversations all the time, which is good because we're having the conversations, but we'll jump to the ideal position get in a relationship once you're whole, and it's not quite, in a sense, reality. But I did want to highlight when when there is a red flag that you must pay attention to, and I just highlight, you already mentioned it, but I wanted to just have you speak to that aspect of, hey, maybe I shouldn't go a little further because this person isn't willing to deal with whatever their self-unhealed issue is. That's what people often overlook, and then they're bind and tied up in a situation, sometimes even married to someone because they overlooked it or they loved the person through the fact that they wouldn't even deal with it. So go ahead and just give us a thought on that, if you will, King. Yeah, you know, uh, Brother Sincere mentioned it earlier when he talked about how just, just the African-American experience or the black American experience is um, – 
it means fundamentally that we could all benefit from some form of therapy. At the same time, you know, the overwhelming majority of us are not qualified to diagnose someone else as needing therapy. We are not qualified to point out what those therapeutic needs are. And so, you know, it's almost like, you know, a bunch of sick people in an insane asylum pointing <laughs> to the other person saying, you need help. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a slippery slope. And while it's accurate, you know, two things can be true at the same time, right? Um, so it is it is accurate in, in most cases, again, that, that we could benefit from that therapy. But we got to be careful because at the same time, most of us, you know, we're still in need of help ourselves. Yeah. And let me yeah, clarify yeah. real quick. Let me clarify real quick. And I'm not even – I'm definitely not suggesting that we're able to diagnose, right? But I am highlighting when you're dealing with someone who, who, who the issue that they're having it's becoming contentious within your situation, and it's you know they might even admit to the issue, but they have an unwillingness to deal with it. That's going to tear your situation apart. And I'm not even talking about anything that's what you call it the DSM. We like you said, none of us are qualified to diagnose anybody with anything. So I'm just talking about that concept. Sometimes we will look past and love someone even though they're not dealing with the issue that's actually their issue for why their relationship is not working. So does that make sense? Not even yeah. getting, getting away from specific diagnosis that, you know, like you said, none of us can do that, but I'm just talking about that idea of trying to stick it out with somebody who won't deal with their own issue, whatever that might be. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes, it makes perfect sense. And, and I didn't mean to push back against what you were no, saying. No, no, I didn't take it that way. I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't, yeah. I, I was just trying to clarify. I wasn't talking about diagnosing anything because you're absolutely right. Yeah. If that's, if I, if that's what people heard, I'm absolutely not suggesting we can, we can say anybody's anything because we try to do it all the time and we definitely don't know what we're talking about. So I definitely am not in that arena. I just yeah. Be clear about that. Man, look, this is a real life game. You guys ever watch that TV show Survivor or, or any of these reality shows now where people are trying to make alliances like Big Brother and, and all these different shows where people are trying to get a, a bunch of people that they don't know to form alliances for a journey, an emotional journey that, you know, we don't even know what lies ahead, these different challenges and stuff. And, and the, our relationships are, are, are like a real-life game of Survivor. We're trying to pair up with people. Um, in the state that they're in, hoping that they're willing to work on themselves as we continue to work on ourselves for the betterment of whatever mission that we decide to embark upon together. So it is really challenging mm-hmm. and uh, and really difficult. And then Hollywood, man, Hollywood is so it's so. What's the word, man? They got to make their money. They got to make their money, man. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, we are the generation that grew up with movies. And it gives us an unrealistic yeah. view on relationships. But I think we've had an amazing conversation. We've only got a couple of minutes. I want to be fair to you and sincere to make sure y'all give out okay. y'all public information as well as, um, if we can, let's try to keep it at 30 to 40 seconds because I want Shanika, who also has a show, to give out her information. So let's close the show with each of your information. Vaughn, you're already speaking. So let people know how they can get in contact with you to get coaching. Or, and you also have a podcast, from what I understand. So go ahead and tell them about that real quick. Yeah, I, I'll just uh, end, this, end with this point. Um, that, that Jerry Maguire movie where, um, you know, they got everybody all caught up in this heartfelt scene where she said, you complete me. 
And really, relationships are about showing up and sharing your completeness with. You're supposed to share, show up complete and share that completeness with another person. And so, makes sense. Often offers that. Yeah, I gotta get you. Yeah, I gotta get your information out, brother. We only got a minute. We only got a minute and a half. Get your information okay. out. Okay. Yeah, I can be reached at info at theconditionsoflove.com. Email me there. I have a podcast, the Living Proof with the Love Alchemist. So uh, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at the Love Alchemist. I love it. Sincere, your public information, thank you for being on, King. All right, absolutely. Y'all can uh, connect with me. I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate all y'all, all all right? So it's uh, uh, Sincere, Sincere, S-I-N-S-E-A-R-S-I-N-C-E-R-E on Facebook, Instagram, and you'll find links there. So uh, connect with me because I love to connect with you. Um, Shanika, thank you for holding me down. Queen is one of our queens of intellect. Uh, yep, let them know how they can contact you as well. Thank you for the invite, Montoya, and I really appreciate the conversation with Sincere and Vaughn. The show is Real Talk with Pasha B. You can Google it, all streaming pat, flat, pat, ah, platforms, Facebook, and IG. Thank you very much. I made a short decision for you. All three of y'all were amazing. MentorDialogue.com is how you ensure intelligent radio remains on the air. Also, promote to the smartest audience in all of radio. All I ask is that you think.